Hey, good morning, One Hope. I want to dive in because I want to spend a lot of time this morning just looking at the power of God as we see it in the resurrection out of Ephesians chapter 1. And so verse 15 is really like a, a crossover verse. And Paul says this. Let's read together in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God, and now this is his prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of the revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. And Riley spoke so beautifully about this last week with the, the goggles and the, and the metaphor of, of snorkeling in Mozambique. I want, I want your eyes to be open, Paul is saying, the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that's you and I us who believe the power the great immeasurable power of God toward us who believe and that's what we're going to be speaking about today next week and the week after that I'm going to do three parts on this because that's how Paul does it in the text let's carry on in verse 20 this this great power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things, just in case you didn't get it, he put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to your word, some of the mystery of this text, some of what it means to have the power of God toward us, toward the church and the fullness of Christ, his body, all of these things that we read, would you open our hearts and our minds and our eyes, the eyes of our hearts today as we look in on this ancient text that Paul wrote to the Ephesian church and would it minister to us just as it would have to them all those years ago. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And so verse 15, I said, is a bit of a pivot in the chapter because Paul's been praising. We've been speaking about this in the earlier part of the series. All praise to God, all blessing to God, praise be to God the Father. It's all this, this praising. And now he goes from praising to praying and he begins to pray that these Ephesians would be able to see the greatness of God be able to see the thing that he's praising about that they would see more of it that their eyes would be opened and so we've been talking much about the greatness of what happens to us in Christ the greatness of, of what happens to the Ephesians as they come to Christ and there's identity shaping and there's all these incredible blessings that come to us but now the focus shifts a little bit it's still somewhat on us but it's also shifting outward and he's also not just speaking about the greatness of what has happened to them in Christ but also the greatness of what God is still doing in Christ what God still wants to do in Christ 
Christ. And so he's kind of like saying, this is your experience. You are in Christ and this is what you get. Every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, you get these things because you're in Christ. But God's plan is so much bigger than just you. And just the blessings that you receive and just the identity that is shaped in you and all of these powerful, wonderful things. Don't take anything away from them. But Paul's saying God's master plan is so much bigger than that. You see what's happened in you and what God has changed in you and was changed because you are now in Christ, hidden in Christ. Well, he wants to do that to all of creation. He wants to do that to every piece of matter in the entire universe he wants to unite it in Christ that all of the creation of all the world would, would declare the praise of God and say in Christ in Christ united in Christ and so it's this it's this crazy big vast immense plan that God is outworking and so what's it going to need What's a crazy big plan going to need? Well, it's going to need crazy big power. And that's what Paul is speaking about as he's praying for these Ephesians. In fact, he doesn't just speak about it here in chapter 1. The whole of chapter 2 is an outflow of this prayer. And it's Paul speaking about power and then even in chapter 3 the theme of the prayer the main theme of that prayer in chapter 3 that we're going to get to uh, later on in this year is actually the, the theme is power and so Paul is going to use three different things to demonstrate to us how immeasurable God's power is and it's kind of like you know when you're at school and, and or when you're in maybe in pre-primary school and you're like my dad is so strong he can and then you'd like have these things that you would say, you know, as you kind of trying to explain to your friends how big your dad is. And you can't quite get it across. I love with my little boy, Josh, at the moment, he's six years old and he's really grasping this concept of counting. And he started using it as a way to express how much he, he loves us. But he always, he has to go like over and, and above and beyond. It used to be like to the moon and back and then back again and back again. And now it's like, dad, oh mom, I love you a trillion times, a billion times, a billion times, a gazillion times, 100 times, 16 times, 33. And he just goes and it's like, it's like he just starts rapping out how much he loves us. And Paul is doing something like that here where he's trying to explain the immeasurable greatness of God in a way that we can, that we can grasp it and, and we can get it. And this is how he's trying to explain it to the Ephesians. And so just I'm going to make four points, quite simple points this morning. The first one is this, that we see, remember, we're talking about our eyes being opened. That's what Paul's praying for these Ephesians. Open the eyes of their heart, God, let them see. So he's, he's praying, number one, that we see the immeasurable, immeasurable greatness of his power in what Christ has been raised from. This is the first illustration as he's saying, guys, let's look at the resurrection of Jesus to help us see more rightly the immeasurable power of God. I, I want us to think about this again because we get so blasé around the death of Jesus. And I just want to say it as a statement. Jesus Christ was dead. Really dead. Not sort of dead. Because I think sometimes we think it was kind of like play, play, dead. No, no, Jesus was really, really dead. 
he was buried, his body in those three days began to decompose. The tomb was sealed. His body was embalmed. People had taken his dead body and put perfume and cleaned and washed his wounds and wrapped him in cloth. He was completely dead. Rigamorphosis had set in on his body. See, death is a great power. Death is a dominating power. It's authoritative. It speaks an authoritative word over every single person alive who has ever lived on this planet. And guess what? It's coming soon to a cinema near you, right? Every one of us, someone um, gave me this quite morbid picture the other day, but it really just it shook me and, and, and made me realize again, just with fresh eyes, the, the what's the word I'm looking for? Just how real death is. Someone, I think it was something I read actually, said there's like there's a line that's seven billion people long. There's a line that's seven billion people, and you are one of those people, and you don't know where the end of that line is, but the end of that line, that person just died, and just died, and just died, and just died, and somewhere you take your place in that line. Isn't that a crazy thought? But death is this great power, this this authoritative power. Just this week. We lost someone that was really impactful in my early life to COVID. He passed away up in Peter Maritzburg, Uncle Elliot Sonjika. And he was one of our pastors in our local church and, and massively impactful in my own life. This week, people in our congregation, someone in our, in our church at home group, lost her uncle. We, we almost lost someone that we love very dearly that we were praying for, Gerard, in ICU. Dr. Gerard and Nicolette, praying for him with COVID. And so it's so powerful and so close and so real. Now, why am I talking about this terrible topic? Well, number one, because it doesn't help anyone to pretend it's not there. We can't just uh, bury our heads on this, right? Sorry for the use of that phrase. <laughs> we, we need to see death in all of its inglorious power. We need to recognize we can't just ignore it and pretend it doesn't happen. It's powerful. It rises over the whole world, all of creation, and it sucks down everything, every person, every animal, every plant, everything is sucked down into the vortex, into its, the depths. And then the shocker is that death dragged even Jesus Christ to its depths. Jesus was really, really dead. That's the point I'm trying to make. I'm, what is greater? What is greater than death? Political powers rise and fall. Great and mighty leaders come and go and scandal and fall. And a world system comes. And at some point, the Western system will fall just like every other great system that's gone before it. But death is the great, most final power that we can imagine. And then Ephesians comes and Paul speaking to the Ephesians. And he says that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead. What? He raised him from this great power. So yes, death is a great power, but God has greater power still. 
and as great as the power of death is, and it is, and we don't need to deny that, can you see that God is greater? When we read in verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ, because Christ was dead, and God worked it in Jesus Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at, the right, at His right hand, in the heavenly places. But that's not all, folks. But that's not all. See, because the second thing is that we see the immeasurable greatness of His power in what Christ has been raised from, number one, and number two, in, in what Christ has been raised to. Imagine... Sorry, we're talking so much about death today. But imagine that you were at a funeral. It's, it's here. It's in the text. I can't, I can't escape it. This is the metaphor, the illustration that Paul is using. Just imagine for a moment that you were sitting at the funeral. If I was sitting at the funeral of Uncle Elliot who passed away this week and someone came in and just prayed or did something on this, over this coffin and the person was raised to life. Can you just imagine the, the pandemonium in that place? Just the excitement and the joy and the, the family rushing up and, and, and hugging this person who's been returned turn to life. Imagine the power that would be at work to raise that person from the dead, wouldn't you say? But God, but God in this text we see that he did even more than that. Look at verse 20, and that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and, you see that little word there, the, the and, he did something more. He seated him at the right hand, I've lost my place, uh, verse 20, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Do you see what's happening here God didn't just do what would have already been incredible which would just be bring Jesus back to life and and put him back on earth like he was and carry on his ministry as he had been ministering no God didn't just do that which would have already been incredible but God goes a step further and takes Jesus higher and higher and higher until he declares him king of the whole universe and everything is under his feet and this is, this is a, another way of Paul writes in, in Philippians chapter 2. And actually all over there's this theme that goes on in Paul's writing. Philippians chapter 2 just happens to be one of my favorite ones where, he, where Paul gives like this, this summary of, of Christ being pressed into human form and coming down to earth and being obedient to the Father, even obedient to the point of death and death at the hands of sinful men. And because of all of those things, then it goes on in, in, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9 and it says, Therefore, because Jesus did all that, therefore God has exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every knee, everywhere is going to bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
So we see the immeasurable power of God in terms of how Jesus has been raised from the dead. We see the immeasurable power, the greatness of the power because of what Jesus has been raised to. Not just back to his earthly life, but even greater and higher and higher than that. And then thirdly, we see the immeasurable greatness of his power in what Christ has conquered and what Christ has defeated. Death Yes, conquered, but even more than that. It says far above all rule, all authority, all power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. See, Paul wants us to get just how great this power is that has been bestowed upon Jesus. He's in the heavenly places now. The same place where we read in the beginning of Ephesians where every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places, that's where Jesus is in Christ Jesus far above every power, every dominion, etc. And it's just like Paul is going on and on to make sure that we understand how high and powerful God has made Jesus. All right, so let's take a breath here. Whew, I'm getting excited. Even though I'm alone up here in the office, busy recording, I'm getting excited. This stuff really makes my blood just start going crazy. Let's take a breath here and remind ourselves what's going on in, in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is praising. He's praising the greatness of God. He's demonstrating it through us being in Christ and every blessing being given to us. And then, and then Paul is praying. In, in, in chapter 1, verse 15, Paul is praying. And his prayer, in a nutshell, is this. God, we want to see you more fully. We want to, we want to truly see you, Lord. Give us eyes. to Give the Ephesians eyes. And it's for us today as well. Give us eyes to truly see who you are. But what does he want us to see? Well, so many things, right? There's, there's identity in Christ. There's the calling. There's hope. There's all these things. But all of them are rooted in God's ability to fulfill these things. In other words, God's power to actually do what he says he's going to do. So this is what Paul wants us to see. He's saying, I want you to see, open their eyes, God, so they can see that you have power to do these things. Okay, but what's the power for, Paul? What's the power for? Well, the power is because God's got this vast and incredible plan. And so because it's such a huge plan, it needs huge power. Well, what's the plan? The plan is to unite everything in Christ. Everything on heaven, in heaven, on earth and under the earth and every tongue and every, you know, you get the picture, right? And you, get, and you say like, whoa, whoa, that's going to need a lot of power. Have you have you seen the state of the world, God? Have you seen what's, what's happening in, in, in Palestine and, and Israel and, and the conflict going on there? Have you seen what's happening in the Western world? Have you seen what's happening in the, in the gender debate right now? God, this, this world is, is crazy. It's going to take a lot of power to unite all of these things, to bring them all together as one, where everyone agrees and everyone is on the same page. Can you imagine, take any news story right now and just think about the power that would be needed to do this? Have you seen the state of the world, God? And then, uh, Paul's going like, okay, well, 
Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. I'm just, just taking a breath here and just summarizing for us in the whole of the chapter. <laughs> Let me give you an example of my world changing power, right? You know death? Pretty scary, huh? Uh, pretty powerful. Defeated. Woo! Defeated. This is, this is what he's saying. And not just defeated, but my showcase. Look at Jesus Christ. Look at him. Look at him. He's raised higher and he's raised higher and he's raised higher and higher and higher until there's no more power that's, that's not under authority to him. There's no more authority that isn't ruled by him. There's no ruler. There's no dominion. Not in this age. Not in the age to come. Not in the age if there's one after that to come. Nothing is higher than Jesus. And I just got so excited and I lost my place. There we go. In Ephesians. <laughs> until every knee bows. That's how much power, right? Your atheistic, your atheistic brother or boss or, or anybody who, who, who declares their hatred of God, they will one day say, he's God. They'll be united in their belief, in their understanding of who God is. Every dictator this world has ever seen, Hitler and Stalin and Mugabe and every, every name that you could name, they will one day fall on their knees before Jesus and say, Lord, Lord. Yes, even your, your sweet grandma who makes those wonderful cookies but refuses to surrender to Jesus. Even she one day will fall on her face and say, Jesus, Lord of all. Every tongue will confess, every knee will bow that Jesus, the name above everything. Think about this, guys. Every knee on every continent from every age that ever was. No matter what your theology or your, your understanding of the creation of the world and how long we've been here, every age that ever was from every nation speaking every language of every intellectual category, of every gender definition that the world would, would want us to believe in, of every wealth, of every bracket of wealth or poverty, everyone bowing before the name of Jesus. That's how great God made him because that's how great God's power is. And not just people, like literally everything else that we could ever call powerful, evil forces, the, the demonic. Do, do we get this? That all of these, these things are under the power of God, under the power of Jesus. Can I just be honest here? I don't get it. I need to pray this prayer just like every single one of you do for myself and for each other. We need to be praying this Ephesian prayer over and over. Lord, open our eyes. Let us see rightly. Please open the eyes of our heart. And this is where we go full circle and we come back to that prayer. And we're going to be doing that for the rest of our lives. It made me think of the story of the, of the Lion King. I remember watching it as a kid. And do you remember those, like, those giggling hyenas? They're always like, messing around. I think Whoopi Goldberg was, was one of them. They were fantastic. And then there's this one scene where the one is like, Mufasa, who's like the lion, you know, the, the big strong lion. He's like, Mufasa. And they go, and he gets the shivers and says, say it again, say it again, Mufasa. And every time he says this great name, Mufasa, this guy gets the silly, the silly hyenas. Um, the thing that evokes the most fear in them, the thing that they can see is the most powerful is like Mufasa. Well, well, God is coming and he's saying, look, whatever that Mufasa is in your life, whatever makes you go, oh, and, and not in, in, in a giggly kind of hyena way, but in a terror kind of way, whatever that thing is, 
Guys, the implications for those of us who believe are beautiful. That over our Mufasa, whatever that is, that God is saying, I rule. Jesus dominates that thing. Jesus has authority over that thing. Man, this is, this is incredible. What, what is it that dominates your life? What is it? Is it, is it fear? Are you terrified that something's going to happen to your children or something's going to happen to you? Maybe you're terrified of death itself. Maybe my sermon this morning is really pushing you to the edge. Maybe it's lust. What a strong driver this is in our pornographic-fueled world where every time you turn on the TV, there's something going on that shouldn't be. And every time you turn on the computer, there's pop-ups happening. Even if you don't want them, it's still going on. Is it, is it lust? What's ruling over your life? What's got, what's got its hooks into you? Is it anger or greed or ambition? Man, do I see ambition in this place? Tell him, Bosch. Is it evil forces? Is the, is the devil demonic working in your, in your life to destroy your family, to destroy your marriage? Guys, we don't talk enough about the demonic power. I know there's not, not everything is a spiritual attack, but there's way more spiritual attack than most of us Western Christians would be admitting to or believing. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's circumstances that, is, that, that are ruling over your life. And these things are just happening to you. And you just feel powerless in the face of these things. What, what holds authority over you? What is the Mufasa? What is the any name? Any name. It could be a father. It could be a mother. This text is so beautiful because whatever that great defeating power in your life is, whatever the name is that is spoken into the narrative of your life, this text is showing the glory of Christ so ridiculously far above everything. Above everything. And Paul is pointing to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, look, look at the resurrection of Jesus. And do you realize the power of God toward those who believe? That's you, that's me, raised from the dead, seated at God's right hand, already ruling heaven. Jesus is already ruling heaven. A plan in place for him to rule every piece of matter in the entire universe. Friends, this is my encouragement to you this morning. Meditate on this and take courage. Meditate on this and, and have hope flood your heart as you are reminded that your God is over and above and stronger than everything which would bind you and hold you down and say, aha, I'm stronger than you. No, he's not. Jesus is the dominator. Jesus is the authority. Jesus is the ruler above every name in this age and the age to come. Nothing you are facing, nothing you have faced or will face can stand up against the power of Jesus Christ. That's the message that Ephesians chapter 1 that Paul is driving home to us. Man, this is beautiful. And this incredible power, this is a, this is a starting point and this is the last point I want to make, point four, this incredible power. How does he, how does he deliver it to the world? How does he, what capsule could God use to bring this immense power into a world aching for it? A world aching with loss and with sin and with failure and with addiction and with powerless 
darkness, a world dominated by evil power and illegitimate authority being exercised over our lives. Well, guys, here's the crazy answer. Jesus goes, the capsule that I want to choose to deliver my immeasurably great power is dot, 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 the church. This is what he says. And he put all things, verse 22, under his feet, talking about Jesus, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, Jesus, who fills all in all. So the church is the fullness of Jesus, and Jesus is the one who fills all in all, who's over everything as we've been speaking about. I don't want to carry on with that because I've been saying it so much this morning, but that's the capsule. We get to see the immeasurable greatness of the power of God through what He's raised Jesus from, through what He's raised Jesus to, through, what was the third one? I've got to go back. What He has conquered, what He has defeated, and then we get to see that same power flowing into the church. Man, it's, it's incredible. And this Ephesian text teaches us that the church is Jesus' body. Now, th think about this. I want you to meditate on this a little bit. Just as a body, like my body, is storing life and energy and blood is, is pumping through my body as I speak now and, and every few seconds I'm breathing and, and this, is my, this is my body. Just as my body shares all of these these things in itself, just so all the people of God, called the church, that's the name for the people of God, share in Jesus' resurrection power and even in Jesus' exaltation. Even as Jesus is exalted, He's the first one who's, who's raised from the dead so that we get raised from the dead. And we're going to talk about that a whole lot more um, next week. But this is the mysterious teaching that the idea is that the church is an extension of Jesus himself. It's not just something Jesus endorses or Jesus said, this is my plan or I like this or this is a good organization. This is Jesus himself. It's an extension of, of Jesus. So think about it like this. Jesus is not here in his earthly body anymore. So the church is his body. It's his earthly body here on, on earth while Jesus is in heaven. This is, <laughs> it's so, it's a mysterious teaching, but that the church is somehow the fullness of Jesus. Like Jesus is never incomplete, right? But in the language that Paul is using here, it's like the church is a completing of Jesus, like without a body, what's the point of a head? This, the scripture often speaks about Christ being the head of the body. But if you cut off the head from the body, then it's there's no purpose to the head and there's no purpose to the body. And that's the language that Paul's going for here. It's like the church is joined into Jesus, just like, like a body, like my torso and my, my limbs, or a husband and a wife as they joined under God as, as one. 
Or as Jesus speaks about so beautifully in the Gospels, the vine, I am, I am, the, vine, I am the vine and you are the branches. We join together. It's, this is the same imagery that, that, that Paul is using. Guys, this should, this should profoundly impact the way that we think about church. A way that we think about God's people, God's gathered people. It's, it's not a mighty organization. It's, neither is it just millions of little congregations doing their own thing. It's not Shofar Stellenbosch or Every Nation Stellenbosch or Cedars or Levendewurt or Engiel or any of these things. It's, it's none of those things alone. It's the body of Jesus. It's, it's not just something that you get to say whatever you want to say about over a brow or you criticize this or you say the church is this or you say, watch your mouth. Friend, watch your mouth. You're talking about the fullness of Jesus' body here. It's also, it's also not just something we come to on Sundays to hear a preach or to see my Christian friends. Or worst of all, and if I hear about this, I'll smack you in the teeth to find myself a wife. I'm just coming to church to find myself a, a husband or a wife. Guys, it's the very body of Jesus on earth. It's precisely this capsule that Christ is pouring out his resurrection power into and saying, let's get some things done in this world. Friends, all the church political nonsense, the infighting and the petty disagreements, the endless nitpicking from congregants and church leaders against other church leaders and this denomination against this denomination this nitpicking of you should do it like this or why didn't you do it like that or why don't you believe this or why don't you i can say this quite literally to hell with all of that i'm sick of it i want to get on board with what jesus's idea of the churches and jesus's idea is that it's powerful that it's an extension of his own body and that it is united and being increasingly united until one day all things all things will be united under Christ declaring every knee will bow every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father that's when we're going to stand and go Wow, wow, look at this plan that you've made, God. Isn't it incredible? Isn't it wonderful? And we will, with one voice, glorify and praise God, our Father, which the book of Revelation describes so beautifully. And you see what, what Jesus is doing through his church is that step by step by step. And guys, I'm not trying to pretend we don't have faults. I'm not trying to pretend we don't make mistakes, that people don't get hurt, that we don't get wrong doctrines. Don't, you know me. I'm not trying to say any of these things. I'm just trying to remind us that the intent of Jesus with his body, the church, is that he puts all things under, his, under their feet and that he unites all things in Jesus. And this changes everything. When we begin to grasp the further implications of being in Christ. Not only when we come into Christ are we given new identity. Not only are we given the hope to which we're called. Not only are we given adoption and all of these beautiful blessings. Friends, you and I, the Ephesian church, the modern day church, 
we are given tremendous resurrection power to face our sins, to face our world, to unify a congregation of people who should never in a million years have anything to do with each other if you look at it on just a factual level. And yet we find beautiful communities bubbling up all over the world. The power of Christ because we are in Christ. So we have what He has. Everything, everything that you see being given to Jesus, we have when we are in Him. Hidden in Christ. This is, this is crazy. Eaton, Michael Eaton, probably my favorite theologian. He's a pastor theologian. He passed away a few years ago. This is what he writes. He says, this is, he's speaking about this text in, in Ephesians and the power that we've been speaking about. He says, this is the secret of the Christian life and the secret of church life. We learn to rely on this union with Christ. It's already there. We learn to trust Him. We believe that we can do all things because Christ empowers us moment by moment with His resurrection power. We are strong in the Lord. We have a connection as the body with the head. Amen. I hope this is encouraging for you. I hope I haven't overstepped too many boundaries I, I just I'm, I'm excited and I wanted to do this in one take I don't want to edit it I just want it to be as alive as it possibly can be but this is Paul's first illustration of how we begin to have our eyes open the eyes of our heart illuminated to the incredible greatness of God's power he says you want your eyes to be opened look at the resurrection of Jesus. Next week, we're going to be looking at his second illustration, um, and I'll give you a clue. It's the people sitting around you. You can, you can find the illustration among the crowd that you're with, but you can also just go and read your Bible this week and read Ephesians chapter 2. I can encourage you if, you, if you're joining us and you don't follow Jesus yet, and, and maybe this is a little strange for you, and I'm a little aggressive for you, or any of those things, hey, can I, can I encourage you next week? If you don't follow Jesus, I'm going to talk about the second illustration that Paul uses. And it's really powerful for speaking to those of you who don't yet know Christ. If you do know Christ and have some friends who don't know Christ, the next week, next week would be a great message to invite them to come and to listen. And I want to thank you for exploring with us and encourage you to keep on exploring with us. I want to just say, I love you, One Hope. Fathers, have a wonderful day. I praise God for the fathers in our midst, the biological fathers as well as the spiritual fathers who have certainly shaped my life tremendously, but are busy shaping the lives of young men and women in our congregation. Can I encourage you? Keep praying for each other. Can I encourage you to keep being the church? Don't wait for someone to send you a message. Send them a message. Don't wait for someone to call you and find out how you're doing. Phone someone and find out how they are doing. Find out how, how this, this third wave is affecting them or the job that they might have lost or whatever it might be going on in their lives. Let's, let's be the church. Let's be one hope to one another. And this is my, my final encouragement is keep filling Stellenbosch with the hope and the life of Jesus Christ. That's our job. Fill Stellenbosch with the life and the hope of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, 
Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the way that it challenges us and and helps us to see more fully. Thank you for the power that we have. Lord, it's an incredible thing that we don't have to live under the hopelessness of powerlessness because we are in Christ. Oh, but God, it doesn't feel like it. It's so many times it doesn't feel like it, Lord. And I pray that as we meditate on your word and as we, as we walk this journey for years ahead of us, that you would continue to open the eyes of our heart more and more and more, that we would not just get this on a head level and say, oh, Paul, I agree with you, but Lord, that we would feel it that we would see ourselves overcoming addiction and overcoming anger and lust and selfishness and ambition or depression and anxiety and circumstances and the way that we face these things is completely changed because we understand the power and the greatness of Christ who has invited us into a relationship that brings us into Him where we are hidden in Him and what He has we have. The resurrecting power of Jesus toward those who believe. Father, some people this morning, just right where you are, I want to encourage you. If this is you, just just put your hands up and just say, God, this is me. In your heart, just say, this is me, Lord. Lord, some people really need you to break through in their lives today. Some families in our congregation, some individuals are under tremendous attack today, Lord. Tremendous demonic attack where the evil one is trying to get into their families, trying to get into their minds, trying to get into their gender identity, trying to get into so many different things. And I pray your comfort and I pray your power upon them. Father, give them hope even through this message today that you are the one who breaks shackles, who has already done it and you're inviting us into this great power with you. Lord, we want to see real life change because of what your word teaches us. It's a practical gospel. It changes the way our lives work. And we praise and thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, this morning, if you gathered with your small group, your Sunday group, man, I want to say well done for doing that. Keep on doing that. And I want to encourage you to break bread together this morning. Think about these things. Praise Jesus for what He's done. Praise Him for making it available for us. And let's make our our communion a celebration. If you're on your own, I want to encourage you, do it with your family. Even just if you're watching completely alone today, why don't you phone a friend and say, can we break communion over the phone together? Be creative. Let's remember Christ and what He's done as we break bread this morning. See you guys next week. Love your stack.